Welcome to the Pokes Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Gosney, a graduate student in the College of Arts and Sciences. In an attempt to slow the spread of COVID-19, OSU made the decision in March to put all classes online for the rest of the semester. In this episode, recorded remotely from our respective homes, we talked to CAS Assistant Director of Outreach, Dr. Caitlin Barnes, about this historic transition, resources available to students and faculty, the new CAS coronavirus website, cas.okstate.edu slash COVID-19, and how online learning could alter the future of higher education. We've talked before on the podcast with you uh, about your previous role as an instructional designer, right? And you've since changed roles, but I assume that you're helping a lot with the changes that we've seen over the past few weeks as all the classes have gone online. So what has that looked like for you? Oh, it's been just as chaotic as it's been for everybody else, I feel. Um, Yes, so I switched roles from full-time instructional designer to assistant director of outreach. You know, my passion is in education, and I really, really find it um, fun to work on classes and to help faculty work with classes. So I was lucky enough to be able to bring some of that into my current position as assistant director. So I still kind of oversee curriculum decisions and formats with online education, but also with study abroad and professional development. And so it's kind of extending where I, I work in teaching, but it's kind of been all hands on deck. So anyone who knows anything about online education has had to really step up and start sharing as much information as possible. And the really, the interesting thing is that this is completely different from teaching an online class traditionally, because you don't have any time to prepare. It's just everybody was thrown into teaching online and it's just playing catch up. And so faculty are just scrambling to figure out what to do next and how to get their face-to-face stuff online. And they had to do it quickly, you know, within like a week, they had to put this stuff together and put it online so that it would be ready to go right after spring break. And so it's been a challenge for sure. Um, So I'm wearing many hats and I try and put on the right one when I need to. But um, I mean, just yesterday, I spent a whole day making a new video for faculty on how to look at student progress within Canvas. It's something that I had planned to do anyway, but it was an emergency and needed to be done immediately. I mean, I enjoy it. I like being an instructional designer and I like helping. So it's been fun and fascinating, but also very terrifying and crazy. What does it look like? What's What's the process uh, of putting a class online? I would assume it's more time consuming and more involved than most people realize. It is. It, it, well, you hit it there because it is more time consuming to prepare for an online class. And so I think there's this misconception that when you teach online, that it, that's the easy part, that you've already done all the work and then the teacher just gets to kind of sit back and chill throughout the semester, but that's really not the case. I mean, and it goes against teaching practices, right? As an online teacher, you want to be able to help your students to the end goal, which is the meeting all the objectives of the class. And so you need to be there with them and involved with them as they go along, answering emails, making sure there's no tech problems and things like that. So you really have to be there present through the class, but you also have to prepare everything for the students ahead of time. So you have to make all your lecture videos. There is so much prep work. You have to find the right textbook that might have to, you know, there's lots of lab activities and things you can do with textbooks that will go online to find the right resources and you have to comb the internet to see what exists for free to try and help reduce the cost for students. There's all sorts of things you have to do ahead of the time, you know, ahead of the class to be able to make sure that it's successful. So you're kind of doing double (laughs) the amount of work it takes to prep a a traditional class. Because in face-to-face, I mean, you're the subject expert, so you just walk in and start telling what you know. 
but that's not that's not at all how you can approach it online. Yeah, so what kind of resources are there available to professors, especially as they've had to do this so quickly? The really cool thing is that um, all of the instructional designers across campus, see when I started there was only three, now there's several, I think there's more than 10 instructional designers on campus. And so the instructional designers for each college and ITLE have just recently, just kind of out of coincidence, got together and started saying, hey, we need to share ideas because we all feel so isolated and on our own supporting faculty. So we just like in January got together and started meeting with each other and talking through ideas. So it really worked out because now we're sharing resources and links and ideas. And um, I'm really proud of that group. Like I really am glad that we have it. So there's all sorts of resources. ITLE is one of the biggest ones because they had already created a bunch of tutorials on how to do Canvas, pretty much anything you needed to do in Canvas, they've got that covered. And then they recently built a how to throw your class online in an emergency <laughs> website. So they have all that information too. I, for the College of Arts and Sciences, have a website that I share with faculty so that they can get resources to get started. And then I try and provide resources, you know, to kind of upgrade them. If they, you know, they've taught for a year and they need fresh new ideas, I give them more resources and ideas. We're trying to share as much as we can, but they're also, faculty are also getting bombarded with emails externally. Like here's a webinar and here's tips and all this stuff. So we're trying to streamline the information as much as possible between what the college is sharing and then also what the university is sharing. We have a lot of resources for uh, faculty as they're changing to online, but what are the some of the resources available to students? So as much as faculty have been bombarded with emails, I think the students have been even more bombarded with emails. It is just um, everybody wants to help and everybody wants to make sure the students feel comfortable in this transition. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that are hitting that's hitting the students' inboxes with assistance. But I think the biggest struggle for students is that all of their instructors will be approaching this in a different way. So one of their instructors might be using Zoom, and one might be using the conferences within Canvas, and one might be using Microsoft Teams, and one may not be meeting at all. They might just be posting everything online. And so I think the most important thing for students right now is to stay as organized as possible and to make sure that they, you know, if you're the kind of student that has never opened up a planner in your life, this might be a great time to open up your planner and start writing stuff down um, about your classes. And then in Canvas, use the calendar. So if faculty are putting assignments in Canvas, it auto populates into your calendar. So um, make sure you pay attention to that because that will be kind of your lifeline of when things are due. Make sure you turn on your notifications within Canvas. So if there's any changes or updates, you'll get that immediately, either by text or email or whatever you've signed up for. That's in your profile uh, within Canvas. But we also have some really straightforward resources for students from the College of Arts and Sciences. And we have, there's three things that come to mind. One is technical specifications. So it's a sheet that talks about what you need to be able to uh, work remotely or do your classes remotely. So the strong internet connection, you know, Canvas works better on Google Chrome. And so you may not have known that. And that's an important thing to know. You may already know now since you've probably been having to do it for a while. But also Canvas has an app that you can download and be able to receive notifications, but it's not as robust as the desktop version or on your laptop. So there's things that you can do within the app, but it can also be frustrating because it's you can't do everything that you would be able to do on a, a laptop or a desktop. Requirements like that, things to help you make sure that you're set up 
and ready to go for whatever comes your way in your classes. The next one is our netiquette guidelines, which netiquette's online etiquette. And so those are ways that you interact with other people in an online class. So it's very easy to fall back on like social media, how you talk to people and in brevity and with acronyms and things like that. But in a professional OSU course, that's not really acceptable. And not only that, but it's most likely your instructor has no clue what you're saying. So when you write an email to your professor, be very classy and just write, you know, dear professor or be as professional as possible, mostly just for clarification so that the person on the other end knows exactly what you're trying to say. Along those same lines, be kind to your peers because not only is it stressful moving to online, but this is just stressful. Everybody is on edge. Everybody's got ramped up anxiety and um, you're going to have to be very patient with everyone and don't snap at people in discussion boards and try and give everyone the benefit of the doubt because you don't know what that person is going through and you don't know who may be in isolation entirely by themselves. So make sure that you're kind to each other and those netiquette guidelines can kind of refresh your brain of, right, I shouldn't use all caps because they'll think I'm yelling at them and things like that. So that I think those are really helpful guidelines for students. And then the third thing is um, the top 10 tips for how to succeed in an online course. And these are, they're really helpful because they're things you don't naturally think of when taking a class. Like for example, if you have a face-to-face -face class, you meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week, and then you're assigned some tasks to do that week and it's really straightforward. And the instructor usually reminds you what you need to be doing that week and things like that. But online, it's really up to you. You have to check in with the instructor. You have to check in with the class. You have to make sure that you're on top of all those things because there's no one in your face saying, this is due, turn this in. Give yourself some space, like a, a quiet space where you can focus on your homework. Dedicate the same amount of time. If you met on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 a.m., get up every day at Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 a.m. and watch the videos or spend time that time working on your coursework. So those tips are, um, they're really helpful. They're basic information, but it's stuff that it could really change your dynamic on how you take the class if you pay attention to those. And those three things are all posted within um, the Canvas community. So CAST just recently created a community within Canvas and all students that have a major or a minor within CAS are automatically enrolled into this community. So within it, you can get uh, notifications on upcoming deadlines like drop dates and add dates and withdrawal dates. But also if you're getting ready to graduate, there's graduation check dates and things like that. So um, you'll get reminders of those, but then also these online tips are all posted within that community also. So take a look in there because there's a bunch of resources and it's specifically for students to help students get through this time and just to help students in general. It was another really cool coincidence that um, this community got created right before all of this kind of went down. Yeah, that's really coincidental and a, a good coincidence. Have you seen any unique ways that professors are adapting their classes to online? Because some of them are not made to be online. Things like labs and um, that you need to be in person. How Have you seen any that have been successful in, in doing that and switching it to online? So I haven't seen any personally um, because I would have to like log into their class to be able to see what they're doing. And we haven't been doing it long enough for faculty to share some of the really cool ideas. I think there's going to come a time where we see all those things and I can't wait for that to see how you know, faculty adjusted their courses in this crazy time. In the College of Arts and Sciences, research and lab work is a big part of it. And I'm really interested to see what happens now. So 
faculty are encouraged to conduct demos on their lab classes uh, at the building. So if you're doing a chemistry lab and you need a vent hood and students are supposed to be in the lab doing that work, the instructor is going to demonstrate the activity and then the students would do the worksheets and all of the assessment things that goes along with that afterward, you know, after seeing the demo. So I'm really excited to see how that kind of goes. But also I'm thinking of faculty research. You know, there's a lot of people with labs on campus with live animals and critters and um, things that have to be fed and taken care of. And so uh, there's also a lot of research being done with people. And right now people can't get together to do that research. So I'm really interested to see because on a global scale, research is changing right now for the for the whole world everybody's research is sort of on pause or it's going to be significantly altered because of this time where nobody's communicate or nobody's around each other to be able to do the research they're doing so i'm really kind of interested to see how this goes down later the ripple effect that we'll see through research yeah i'm too just how everyone is dealing and and having to adapt and I see things from other colleges and uh, online what they're, I mean, just the basic things like what they're doing on social media to inform their students. Are there things that we can learn from other schools? I'm curious, I guess, maybe just as an aside, what we could learn from what other colleges are doing across the country and even around the globe. I am very much aware how it's kind of every person for themselves right now. And every university is scrambling to try and take care of faculty and students. And that is across the nation, at least right now. Um, I have spoken with several different universities and I will say I'm very proud of our efforts because I feel like we are ahead of the game, especially for instructional design and preparing faculty to teach online. I feel like we were way ready for this. And in, like I said, a coincidence, but we have the resources and we have the people on campus to be able to support the faculty. So, and you know, it's really crazy because it's not, it's, it's obviously not just instructional designers and curriculum, but the tech support has been insanely powerful and helpful for both faculty and students um, working around the clock to make sure that servers are still running and that people can still access their email, um, checking out equipment to faculty like microphones and cameras and everything, making sure that conference systems are working. So it is, I am so impressed with how people have really sort of stepped up to take, take charge of their own area and help people out where they can. Yeah, because I would assume that um, those things that are typically done in person, like tutoring or advising um, or even mental health, those resources that we have on campus, those are done in person. But how are those switching to an online format? I'm so glad you mentioned that because we have transitioned all of those things to the online format. And I'm, I'm very, very excited about this because this is changing the way we do education for the future, no matter what we do, because everybody's experiencing online for the first time and they're realizing, you know what, I think we can do this. It's not too bad. I mean, we might be able to do this. And I, you know, it's not ideal. You don't want to do counseling services online. You know, you want to be there for that person and show them that you're, you're there to support them. And the same thing with tutoring. Uh, it's so much, it's so much more, I mean, you get that personal connection with someone when you go in and you talk to them about it, but yeah, so Lasso provides online tutoring. The MLSD is now doing math tutoring online, which is incredible. And then the counseling services is doing online. Just being an OSU student, you're eligible for those counseling services for free. So check those links out because yeah, all of them, they right away, right when they found out that students were gonna be doing the rest of the semester online, they were like, we've gotta be online. So I'm really excited that they, they all 
made that happen for our students because those are those services are so critical to student success and if students don't use them that's okay because you know they're there to help if you need them but i do encourage all students to take advantage of these resources especially because they're online and it's so convenient now try it out and see if it works and see if it helps um, because it may change education for you for the future i didn't do my undergrad at osu but i'm a grad student here and I am very aware of all the resources. I still haven't taken advantage of most of them, but it's exciting to know that they're available. And I, I wish that I would, had taken advantage of those sorts of resources like tutoring and, and even mental health counseling when I was an undergrad. And the same with talking to my professors. I don't think I took advantage of their expertise and their willingness to help as an undergrad. And I'm doing that more as a grad student. And I know that you've mentioned in, your pre, in the previous podcast that we did that that was one of your tips is is go to your professors, ask them for help because they're willing to help. I would assume that that's even more true now with everything being online and not being able to see them in person. Absolutely. That personal connection, you can still make those connections even in an online world. Just think of it this way. I'm telling you right now, you probably have ideas of politicians or celebrities and you know those people and you know their personalities and you um, have all sorts of opinions about them and you've never met them in your life. And um, it's the same thing in online class with your professor, but they're, they're reachable. They're not untouchable like some phantom celebrity out there, you know, who you'll never meet, but they're real people and they want to help you. So if they're providing a link to meet with them anytime, take advantage of that, or maybe get with one of your friends, you know, and you can meet together and collaborate together. It's easier than ever to reach your faculty and even more so because sometimes faculty offices are intimidating going in the building trying to figure out where they are and then realizing their office is like legit with books and maps and all sorts of stuff everywhere they could be really intimidating and so this is very much less intimidating i mean faculty are just in their houses and meeting with all their students as needed so it's really kind of casual and it's a great time to get to know your faculty and for me, I teach online and I'm telling you, I get to know my students so well that I can, if I run into them on campus, I can point them out and say, hey, you're in my class. And then we strike up a conversation. So it's really easy to get to know your students if you put in the effort, but it's also vice versa. You know, you can't just have your faculty saying, please, please schedule an appointment with me and then you not take advantage of that. Faculty are always really willing to meet with students and they're very disappointed when that doesn't happen. And so take advantage of that because they can help you. They can help you be better and, and get better in your class. So I'm a grad student and I work as a grad assistant in the for outreach in CAS. And so I get a lot of information uh, from my team, but where could students go if they didn't have that research? Where could they go if they have more questions about what's going on with COVID-19? Yeah, we created a website um, for the College of Arts and Sciences that is kind of a collection of resources from around the university. So we have direct links to university messages and university frequently asked questions and even the Stillwater news um, and what's going on with the city of Stillwater. We also have created some FAQs for prospective students, current students and grad students, faculty and staff. And then also some resources on how to work from home, um, student resources for taking class online, and then telecommuting for staff and faculty, tips for success. You know, um, Dr. Thad Leffingwell in psychology came up with tips for um, kind of reducing stress and, and making through your day. So things like that we've compiled and put on our website, which is cast.okstate.edu slash COVID-19. And 
that's where we've got this information. We are sending this announcement out to students in an email. So they'll have that information too. Um, they'll be able to click on it and everything, but uh, there's a message from the Dean talking about the importance of staying safe and um, the resources that we're compiling. And we really do have a great leadership team who cares about student success and cares about faculty and making sure they have the resources we need. Hopefully this website will be helpful to people. We're trying to update it as much as possible, but if you're in the College of Arts and Sciences, this is a great place to get the latest news from the college. And then you can just go there to get your information from the university too. Um, it's kind of a way to filter through emails, actually. You know, if you're just getting loads and loads of emails, you can just go to this site when you want to and get the information that you need. That's great. Yeah, because we, we do get a lot of emails, especially with online classes, we get a lot of notifications from Cam Canvas and, and different emails. And, and it also feels like you're just bombarded with news and, and social media concerning COVID and it can be overwhelming. So to have something all in one place, well, that's clean, clear and, and, uh, and straightforward is, is a great, it's a great thing. I know I saw a post today. I, I get um, Buzzfeed updates. It's my trash junk that I like to look through. I don't do social media. So I like Buzzfeed a lot because it gives me social media, but it was that somebody posted and they said, they posted this, some silly picture and they said, sorry, I just wanted to post something other than coronavirus or something about the Tiger King. <laughs> and I thought that was hysterical because it's so popular right now. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I don't want to, I, yeah, could go a really long time without ever hearing coronavirus or COVID-19 again, but that, that's the world we live in right now. So hopefully this website isn't just another place that you feel is just, you know, another messaging. I really, because it has frequently asked questions and it's college specific, um, while also directing you to the important things you need to know. I think that it's going to be really helpful for students, especially. And, you know, it's got things on there like, I'm really stressed out. Where do I go? What do I do when I'm stressed? You know, or these online classes, I've never done this before. Where, where do I go for that? Things of that nature. Or I'm in a lab. What am I going to do? Or when do I drop my class? Or am I going to get graduated? Some simple questions like that, that I'm sure are running through all of our students' minds. They can be answered here and then we've also got the university faq addresses things like if you're a student worker and um, they've had a lot of announcements recently about that and so the university is really trying to take care of those students who are student workers throughout the rest of the semester so check that out if you happen to be working on campus there's some good guidelines to let you know what to expect and there's literally a question that says are there any additional resources for graduate students so there's information in there on where students can graduate students can go to get more information because they're in OAS student. Unfortunately, the future for everyone is so uncertain right now, but I know that graduate students are definitely on the forefront of our cast leadership's mind. They've mentioned it several times. I think the best things that graduate students could do is reach out to their mentors and make sure that they've got all of their needs met that way. And I was yeah. also thinking about people that are just graduating with their undergrad and wanting to enter the, to the workforce. Are there any resources for them to find jobs? Yeah, so CAS has a career services. There are two people dedicated to the success of our students. And so if you are in the CAS community, which you should be if you're a CAS student, you will get updates from CAS career services, letting you know information about uh, that you need to know during this time. And I, I was just in there yesterday and I saw announcements for career services. So check that out and pay attention to it. If it's something that's important to you, then um, pay attention to those messages because you never know when a resource is going to pop up that's going to change your life. Yeah, I am. And you mentioned, so you do teach uh, classes online. What have you learned from all, your own personal experience about teaching online that could translate to others? I mean, it's always, 
it's great to see lists and tips online, but when you can hear from someone who actually does it and has experience with it, it can help other professors and, and perhaps students understand how to make online learning a success. I think the biggest tip that I can give faculty right now, and even students also, when handling or dealing with their other students in the class or the, the instructor of the course, is to have empathy for the other people on the side of the screen because you don't know what the other person's going through. For me personally, in my classroom, I, 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 set, I sent an email to my students and I said, I am swamped and I will get to the grading as quickly as I can. If you will be patient with me, I will be as patient with you as you are with me. So I'm, I'm basically saying, hey, I had deadlines, but they're blown out of the water. So we're just gonna get through this semester together. And so I think if faculty can remain flexible with students and remain empathetic and give students the benefit of the doubt, I think the whole thing is going to go a whole lot smoother. You know, we're all having to be flexible and do things we've never done before. This is the time for us to band together and get through it together instead of pointing fingers and saying, you know, you missed that deadline. How dare you? And then also for from the student's perspective, remember that your faculty member may have never taught online before, may have never opened Canvas before. This is a difficult transition for, for someone who has, who doesn't, who kind of ignores the online world, isn't on social media, hasn't looked at Canvas, isn't technologically savvy. This is really difficult for them and they may not even have the equipment they need to move online. So it goes both ways. I think we need to just remain empathetic with each other and then also it's a little easier, like I was kind of talking with the netiquette guidelines and talking to people online. If you don't see them and you don't see their face day after day in the class, you kind of lose your perspective that they're a real person with real feelings. And so I think it's really important that you remember that's, that there's a real person on the other side of that email. And that even though it might, might sound like they're being very harsh or very critical, that may not be how they wanted to say it. Because you can't do inflection in an email. You can't you know, I use exclamation marks all over my emails all the time so that people understand I'm just happy. I'm just saying nice things about things all the time. I really am just being happy. I, it's one of the only ways you can show people that you, you know, you're being carefree. So yeah, remember that. Remember that your faculty are just as stressed out as you are and we're all trying to get to, through this together. And I think the more flexible everybody can be and the more chill everyone can be, the better it's going to go. I kind of had an advantage because two of my three classes were already online. And so I feel like it didn't change a whole lot for me. And, but even with the classes that were designed from, from the beginning to be online, there are still hiccups. And so you do have to be patient, no matter if, it, if they were forced to do it in a week or if they had a whole semester to put together a course, there are still going to be hiccups and, and missed deadlines and, and things that just come up. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that this is not how online classes usually go down. <laughs> so if you find yourself absolutely hating online education now because of this, please throw that to the side because this is not normal. This is not normal behavior. I mean, like I said, it takes a lot of prep work to make an online class run smoothly. And if you're just thrown into it, it's just kind of scrambling at the last minute. So please keep in mind, this is not the way it's supposed to go down. I actually was thinking though, do you think that this will boost the online, the demand for online courses in the future? Because students might see this and, and think this is actually really nice. I like the online format. So do you think that we will have more demand for online classes in the future? I do. I definitely do. So I've always been an advocate that online was kind of the future of education. 
for me personally, online is the way we make education accessible to everyone, not just the uber wealthy, but everyone, you know, you can YouTube anything and learn how to knit and do whatever you want. You can learn it from YouTube. So instructors are still useful. I think that's the, the hesitation, right? With the faculty's perspective of, first of all, you don't get the same experience you would in face-to-face. -face, and then also what relevance do I have as faculty if everything's online because I'm not actually teaching. And I think both of those are really terrible misconceptions about online education to begin with. I think online is the future and so we need to embrace it because that's how, that's how people are learning now. You can Google everything and get the information right at your fingertips. So it's really important for the faculty to step in and say, what is accurate? What is misleading and how to navigate that information correctly and how to build on it uh, correctly so that you're not, you know, you're filling in those holes and gaps of information. Um, anyone that's taken a math class can know you can't just skip steps. You have to go through it sequentially to be able to understand it. And al almost every discipline is like that. You have, you can't go from A to C without having B in there. I think that the faculty are still very relevant, but now we're forced to embrace it, the online world, and figure out how to do it. And I think faculty will slowly start coming around to, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And so that will help push it forward to making more classes online and more accessible. But I do think that students are going to demand it. I think that students who thought they couldn't learn online realize that you can. What I, I guess my biggest concern is that they would think that this is how online classes are and hate it and run the opposite direction. But like I was saying, you know, if the faculty really builds an environment for their class, the students can get to know the faculty just as, and you know, vice versa, just as you would in a face-to-face -face class by doing, you know, virtual meetings and things like that. You really do get to know students. I mean, people get married on dating websites all the time. They meet each other online and then they get to know each other and then eventually they meet face-to-face. -face. You know, everything happens online basically. So it's, it's, it is a powerful way to learn. You can still learn, you can still get to know people. And so I feel like on both sides, the faculty and the student, you get out of it what you put into it. And so if you try and you come in with an open mind and you make sure that you don't have any like preconceived notions about it and just give it a shot, I think, and I think that's what everybody's doing right now is, you know, being forced to give it a shot. You'll see it's not so bad and it is, it's, it's easier than you thought and it's not as tricky. And some of those things that you were like, well, I don't know how to do discussions online. You're finding ways around it. I'm really excited about it because I, I told you online education is really my thing. I love it. I think it's so, so helpful to, I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma and I'm just thinking about all these kids in rural Oklahoma who don't have the opportunity to get to a university. And this is that, this will make that difference for them being able to access education online. So I think there's also going to be an expansion, which at least I'm hoping for of fully online certificate programs. So this is like, specialized skills in something where you're not getting an entire degree, but you're getting a skill set and that you can put on a resume and you can use that to immediately apply for a job and say, I have this skill set and it was given to me by OSU. So I think that will increase. So maybe, maybe faculty or departments um, or even the university would be hesitant to do a fully online degree in their specific program, but they could do a certificate, which is, you know, 15 to 30 hours of information online that makes sense and sells a skill. So I do think we're gonna see kind of a, a, a growth in that, or at least I'm really hoping for it because I think that's something that we can take ownership of as OSU and make it accessible to students. That's really exciting because there are so many who just can't 
get to campus. They, they can't live away from home because they don't have the finances or, or they have other responsibilities away from, from a traditional campus. So that's really exciting. Going back a little bit though, you were talking about just the different format of online and, and how you can get to know your classmates and your professors online just as you would in, in a classroom. And I would have to say that as a more introverted person, at least in the classroom, um, I'm hesitant to raise my hand and, and join a discussion a lot of times, but online, when I have a chance to think about it and, and uh, type things out, I'm much more involved and I can hear everyone else's opinions and, and insights and also add my own, which I think for me makes the experience so much richer because it's not just a couple people talking and it's not, or even just the professor giving a lecture, it's, it is a discussion. And so I just wanted to add that because I, I think that's really good for those who just don't, aren't as comfortable, comfortable in a traditional classroom. Exactly. I mean, online appeals to a different group of students, too. Students who have crippling social anxiety, who cannot even stand the fact that they may have to be in a class of 300 students at one time. Like, the pressure of that is just intense. One of the best parts about online discussions is, is exactly what you were saying. You have time to think about your response. You don't, you aren't just like called out on the spot and have to make an answer. You know, the teacher doesn't just point at you and say, what do you think? Immediately you have to say something and you, know, you clam up and like, oh, I don't want to talk. You don't have to do that. They post something and then you have time to think about it and do research and then post what you think is the best, you know, based on all of your, your, the information coming in. And by the way, that is so Gen Z. Oh, well, I'm a millennial, so oh no see you're breaking all the rules and i'm a millennial also which i usually don't claim because i guess you and i are like the older generation of millennials so we get the transition period and so we get the right to say i don't i don't i don't go with that group i'm different (laughs) but no we're classic millennials so no but it's gen z so the students who are in college you're masters right now but most of the undergrad students are in the Generation Z. And those students really like to research what they they say before they say it and um, get some information first before. So online discussions really are appealing to Gen Z because they can think about it first and they're not just like called out on it. So look, you're relating to Gen Z and you didn't even know. Yeah, well, I spend a lot of time with them on campus and it's great. Well, there's a lot of bad news out there with all with the coronavirus stuff going on. What have been some bright spots for you during all of this? Oh, definitely watching those adorable stories of people who are having to see each other through um, glass doors and glass windows and things like that. Um, I saw the cutest picture of a grandpa on one side of a glass door and a toddler on the other and they were playing tic-tac-toe. They had put like tape up on the door and were playing tic-tac-toe. And it just, it shattered my heart into a thousand pieces, but I thought it was so sweet and so real and genuine. So seeing the good things that people are doing and finding really cool ways to still stay entertained and still talk with other people. I mean, I've personally FaceTime more with my family right now than I ever have. Like I never FaceTime with them, um, you know, because I've got relatives live in different towns and states and stuff. So, but now we're like FaceTiming all the time. So um, and I hope, you know, all of that continues. I hope people continue to, to band together. So that's one of the great things. But I think we kind of, you know, we talked about how online education might explode. And that's what I'm really hoping for. It may not explode, but a gradual incline would be great. <laughs> I'm just, I'm excited for that kind of future of people being forced to experience it so that they know it's not so bad. You know, there will definitely be people who come away saying, yes, it's that bad and worse. 
because they had to do it kind of under emergency circumstances. But I think on the most part, people are, it's going to open up people's eyes to what you can do online. So I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really proud of those things. And I'm, I'm proud of the people who've banded together to get information out to faculty and students so quickly. What are you looking forward to most when everyone comes back to campus? So I'm an introvert and uh, you may not know that about me, but I actually really am. And I um, really like working from home. So I'm going to kind of be sad to go back to work, but honestly, when I work from home, I'm working from eight to five nonstop with no breaks. And I miss the, you know, someone stopping by and saying, Hey, can I talk to you about something? And we chat and get to know each other better and work through a problem. So I miss those kind of spontaneous interruptions in my day. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the people I work with again and talk about this huge mess. I have kids and they're missing their friends and um, we're all missing our family. So I think it's going to be really great to be able to have a party again and have people come over and celebrate together. We'd like to thank Dr. Barnes for taking the time to speak with us. This is the second Pokes podcast she's done, but that's no reason to skip our classic end of episode question. How do the arts and sciences make the world a better place? So I think in the last podcast that I did, I talked about um, how important the critical thinking is and how the College of Arts and Sciences really puts that into, I mean, it's just naturally part of the coursework you do in College of Arts and Sciences. But what I really want to hone in on now is scientific literacy. And it's something that I push in my classes because there's a difference between real science and then just people's opinions about things. And so you really have to be skeptical and you have to look at information with a skeptical eye and not just take it at face value. If you see a commercial with a person in a lab coat, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a doctor or a scientist. It just is a person in a lab coat. So you really need to be able to determine what is real science and what is founded in research and evidence and what is just public opinion. So I really challenge everyone to think about the information that you're receiving about coronavirus, take it seriously and think about it and think about how it impacts you and your life. Um, think about where the information is coming from and if the sources are credible. And I think it being in the College of Arts and Sciences and me being in science myself, it's something that is just constantly repeated that you have to have evidence to be able to stake a claim. And if you don't have that evidence, the lack of evidence, you can't make that claim. And I think that's something that the sciences really try and push forward in their courses. Why I'm so proud to be a part of the sciences and arts and sciences is because we're really showing the value of what true research is and what it's like to be a scientist and how it impacts your daily life. And there's so much information going on about coronavirus right now. And you have to look at it from scientific perspective. It, you really have to put a critical eye on it to make sure that you understand the information. So hopefully coming out through the end of this and this mess with coronavirus, everybody will have, of course, a fresh dose of what viruses are and how they spread and what we can do to prevent that. But I'm also hoping that they have a healthy respect for the nature of science and where science come from and have greater respect for all of our doctors and nurses and people out there on the front lines of this virus risking their lives to be able to take care of people. Hopefully that'll be a great benefit that comes from this um, terrible time.